27, episode 26 of the Four Stars Furs podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Tommy. What's up? John. Lovely to be with you, as always. And Joe. Hello, folks. Well, uh, we had an episode last week where we had a lot of good vibes and a lot of good feelings going around, and I have a feeling that this this episode's going to be the exact opposite. Uh, uh, and it's kind of been this way all season for Spurs, and I think each time we come out of it with a in a good run of performance, we we think that maybe this is where we kick on, and this is this is where we start to see what uh, what we can expect for the rest of the season. We're going to have a good showing. Uh, we'll be able to hold on to top four, maybe uh, get deep into some cup competitions, heck, even win something at some point. But uh, that clearly wasn't meant to be this week. Uh, so let's start the conversation by talking about this FA Cup uh, match against Sheffield. I think most of us had predicted wins for that one, um, but we um, we are questioning uh, what the squad rotation situation would would be when we we talked about it last week. And and this is a completely new podcast, other than myself, um, uh, from last week. Uh, so. Uh, I don't know how you guys were feeling about it coming into it, but uh, I think there was a lot of positive feeling. We, this is a FA Cup that we have a chance to go deep in with uh, kind of the teams that are left. Um, how were you guys feeling when the squad came out, uh, Tommy? Yeah, I was pretty... I mean, I was hoping that we get some rotation, and I, I mean, in the end, I felt like we over-rotated. I was glad Richarlson actually got a start and actually played as... Uh, true number nine striker, um, but I'm, other than that, it's I'm like my general thoughts were if we could just get, scrape through and get by and just advance, I would have taken it. Um, if it was ugly, pretty, or in the middle, uh, unfortunately that didn't happen. But um, yeah, it's just overall the game was pretty frustrating. I felt like, but uh, but yeah, John, what do you got? Well, to be honest, when the lineup came out, I thought, well, we've done some rotation. This is good. We're giving some guys a rest. I understand that. This team should be able to take care of this Sheffield United with relative ease. Um, I felt really good about it. I mean, I'm I'm part of the generation that really loves the FA Cup, dreams it, grew just grew up with winning the cup being one of the greatest things that ever ever happened. Um and I really thought with the other teams getting knocked out that an outsider had a chance to uh, to actually take it away from one of the top four. So I was excited about the FA Cup this year. And uh, I, to be honest, I was gutted that we, that we lost this game. Um, I know that there are many people that don't think the FA Cup is a worthwhile competition anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe a bit more worthwhile than... Um, uh, the uh, the the league cup, but nonetheless, um, as you can tell, I have a dog that has a uh, a view about this as well. But I'll take care of her. Yeah, and you, you know we haven't played anybody in the Premiership yet. We've had a really cushy way through, and people were getting upset. And uh, but we got upset, and shit, I, I it, it just. Ah, it didn't sit right with me. Tell me, what do you think? No, that was the thing that really aggravated me the most was I'm 
you know, yeah, we lost one nil, but I told some people like I don't want to watch the draw because I know for a fact that whoever Sheffield United draws is probably gonna be somebody manageable. It's not gonna be a heavy hitter. And of course they drew Blackburn Rovers. And of course, in classic Spurs fashion, this could have been our year where we could have had an easy run into the semifinals. And of course, that didn't happen. Joe, you've been quiet. Did you have anything to add? I um yeah, I mean you you guys pretty much covered my thoughts as well. I when I saw the lineup, you you're right, Tommy. Bit maybe a bit too much rotation, but as John said, Sheffield United changed eight of their players. They weren't bothered about this game. Like Sheffield United are more focused on promotion. They they weren't even bothered. That's like the worst indictment. They rotated their team more than we did. And it kind of to me throws a spanner in all the arguments of oh, you can't, you know, rotate the team. Like squad rotation's been going on for 25 years now you know it's been part of the English game for a very long time you should be able to change your players up in a game and perform well and it was it was pathetic to think like Tommy just said we could have played Portsmouth, Preston, Sheffield United and Blackburn and got to the semi-final and that's with a lot of the big teams knocked out already Uh, Liverpool, Arsenal, a few of the other decent teams have already been knocked out it was a terrible missed opportunity and it's like completely echo what john said like i i can just about remember spurs winning the cup in 91 i remember gaza's free kick in the semi-final i remember the the win over forest and it was it was to think we've not been even to a final never mind lost a final we've not even been in a final for, for what 32 years it's unbelievable really well i just yeah. want to interrupt before you go john i just want to interrupt real fast I did hear that Sheffield United had some significant illness uh, going through their locker room. Um, so uh, not that, that changes anything about the fact that they rotated that many players and we should have been able to handle a rotated squad that much. But um, but I, I think it wasn't necessarily about how much they cared about the game. I think they didn't have quite as many options uh, because of some illness. But, but go ahead, John. Well... Uh, yeah, uh, Joe, the the first real FA Cup I remember was the win against Chelsea in 1967. I was around, I watched the 61 and 62 on TV, but but you're right. And but the, one of the points I'd like to make was I was uh, talking to Peter, and shout out to you, Peter, hi, um, after the game, and he said, well, how many of these players really know the significance of the FA Cup? And I think he makes a very good point. I mean, if you grew up playing football in Argentina, in Brazil, in France, where we've got players from Africa, all over the world, um, they don't know how important the FA Cup is to the fans here. And, and we've got coaches that didn't grow up with the FA Cup as well. So maybe something in there is that they just didn't feel that this was a significant game as many of the fans did. And uh, that's one of the few things that I that I thought about after the game that made a little bit of sense. Um, because the effort wasn't there. I mean, the desire wasn't there. And the, uh, they didn't play... They didn't play well, and the schizophrenic Spurs team went from, uh, you know, two great results, not giving up a goal, 
winning 2-0 twice. I know you talked about this last week. Really on a high. Hey, we got all this rubbish behind us. We're moving forward now. We're going to go forward in the cup. We've got a good chance there. We're still in the Champions League. We're fourth place. God, this is where we need to be. And then we trip over a molehill. And uh, for me, at the old school, I was very disappointed. Go ahead, Joe. What you say there, John? I, I was, I was. Somebody else was was making a similar point about the prize money for coming fourth, as opposed to winning the FA Cup, right? So you get something like twenty million straight away, maybe even more for for getting in the Champions League. You straight away as prize money, and for winning the FA Cup, I think you only get maybe a couple million prize money. Now, obviously, to us, we much would vastly prefer to win the FA Cup than finish fourth. We've finished fourth quite a lot in the last 10 years or so. Um, You know, it's great to be in the Champions League, but I think we'd all rather win the FA Cup than do that. But I don't think the, the club sees it that way. And I think that probably filters down from the boardroom, to the management, to the players. and Because uh, you're exactly right, John. They didn't look at all motivated or bothered about this game. I know we're going to come on to the Wolves game, which was also disappointing, but I actually thought they looked much more up for that game than they did the FA Cup game. And, it, you know, exactly the same thing happened at Middlesbrough last year. We went to Middlesbrough and lost in a, quite a similar fashion. And... You know, I, I must say, <laughs> when I saw the conditions, you know, I can say this as a as a northerner, as someone from northern England, when I see a game in Sheffield, it's pissing down with rain, and you see that we've left Romero on the bench, we've basically left a lot of our main sort of, you know, more c- combative players on the... I could see the writing on the wall quite early on in, that, in, in the game, and I just think it, it's just the club's kind of mentality almost. It, it's all about finishing top four, getting that money as opposed to winning something, you know? Tommy? Yeah, Joe, that actually, that's kind of one of my things I've always harped about for as long as we've done the podcast. Like, even Pochettino, he's like, he doesn't care about domestic cups. And for me, I at the time, I'm like, let's push for some domestic cups. And my logic and reasoning for that is this team is young. Uh, let them get over that hump. Let them learn how to win these games that actually need to be mattered. Like, yeah, they amassed a bunch of points back in the day, but they never, like, you know, FA Cup semifinals against Man United, Chelsea, et cetera, League Cup finals against Chelsea and whatnot. It's like we never got over it. And if they, for me, I feel like once you get the experience of getting over that hump, you're going to learn how to win, like, in theory, that could have gotten us over uh, one one Champions League final, in theory. Um, nowadays, I think that's a little too late because this core is like, you know, Kane and Son, they're 30, Hugo Reese is, what, 36 and whatnot. So nowadays, like now, if we don't prioritize FA Cup, League Cup, I wouldn't be too mad just because of that. And I don't know, it's just, unfortunately, there's no way to around it to, or there's no way to win. It's win-lose, and somebody's not going to be happy. But, John, what do you have? Well, I was going to follow up on what Joe said, because I think he made a very good point. When the TV camera showed the rain pissing down at the beginning of the game, my immediate reaction was, this is upset weather. And then when you start to look at that a little bit further, okay, we gave Richarlson a chance. 
I don't think he looked that good. How many times has Richarlson played in the pissing rain in his history? I doubt not very often, quite honestly. How many times have those Sheffield players played in the pissing rain? All the time. Um, so, you know, maybe we should look at uh, horses for courses, for instance. Who's going to be, uh, I mean, I would put Skip in the rain all the time. Um, Kane in the rain all the time. Would I? And the the guys from Scandinavia and Europe. But I wouldn't really trust the guys from South America to to really put in a performance when they're soaking wet. It just it's not part of their uh, psyche. Would be a thought. Yeah. What do you, Anthony? Well, I, I want to ask another question and. Um, and this was something that I had brought up on last week's podcast. We had all these positive vibes about where we were going after uh, a very good Chelsea win. Um, but I said what we're coming back to is w- when we have to play two matches in a, a week again and for cons- over a consistent period for a, a couple weeks. This is when it all seems to fall apart for us. How much of it isn't even like caring about the cup? It's just maybe a lack of fitness or a lack of um, squad depth to be able to get past uh, a two-match a week period. Um, Go ahead, Tommy. Yeah, so, you know, in terms of squad fitness or cohesion, like, I I would not dispute that because early on in the season uh, or before the World Cup, I've always harped about, like, why isn't the squad being rotated? You know, like, for example, Nani and Forrest, why wasn't Spence start? I think Spence had a cameo. Like, why wasn't he starting? Why wasn't Skip starting at the time and so forth? Or, like, say we had a very comfortable win, let these players that usually or normally wouldn't play, let them have a run out because the depth isn't there, but you can create depth by actually playing these players and seeing what these players have to offer. Case in point, Oliver Skip again. Um, in terms of, but the biggest thing I would say is also cohesion, because if you look at the starting lineup, I mean, how many times this season we see a back three of Sanchez, Dyer, and Davis? Poro had his first start, uh, or first FA Cup start ever, but like he was laid out to dry essentially because he had Sanchez. If he had Romero, the argument you made that you got probably in terms of talent, he's probably the best. So Poro probably would have done better in comparison. Um, to Sanchez, but you know, Lucas Moore just comes off of an injury, Charleston, so off and on, sun hot and cold. So, unfortunately, if you look at yeah, if you look at it, the eye test, yeah, talent wise, they should be able to beat Sheffield United, especially with a uh player turnover. But you look a little bit further, it's just not there in terms of cohesion, and it's how I said earlier about teams or the how I felt that the squad was turned over a little too much. Like if Harry Kane, um, Oliver Skip, or and Romero were in there, or two out of those three, things might have looked a little different. But, I mean, unfortunately, it's too late for that. Joe? Well, yeah, I think, building off what Tommy said, and John had hit the nail on the head earlier as well, it's like the rotation in, in of itself it's fine. Like, I do think we have a decent enough squad that we can bring in, for example, look at, it's not that they're bad players, you know, Skip and Saar came in 
from the cold in the San Siro and played really well. They were our two best players. So I don't think it's like these players aren't good. I think you've got to be smart with your rotation, kind of like Tommy's alluding to there. And John said it, like, pick the horses for courses, right? Why are you starting two Brazilians in the pissing rain in Yorkshire on a Tuesday night or Wednesday night? It doesn't really make sense. Think about that a little better. Play Skip, play Romero, who's your most you know, commanding defender who's going to manage that back line. It's the, it was a stupid game to not have Romero playing. Like that was the real glaring one for me. And, um, you know, you look at that front three, who's, who's getting the goals, right? Because Rich Allison's only scored twice all season. Lucas Mora's not scored in 31 games. And, um, Son, as we all have talked about, is having a bad season by his uh, standards. So, uh, to me, Kane, Skip and Romero should have all been the first three names on the team sheet. Uh, I know it's easy to say in hindsight, but it's, it, it's, it's just, to me, it's just poor squad management. And we've seen it a lot this season. Joe? Yeah, I agree with you, Joe. And the other thing is, I don't think that any team in our position should be complaining about playing twice a week. We're, we're dreaming of playing twice a week. The reason we're playing twice a week is we're in the Champions League. The reason we're playing twice a week is we were in the FA Cup. I mean, these are all situations we want to get to. Um, and I, I don't judge the fitness of this squad at all. I think I'm willing to bet that they're one of the fittest squads in the in the league and I, I don't think fitness has anything to do with it. I think it's all six inches between the ears and the motivation uh, th that is lacking that that we're coming out. And even at the end of the day, I, I agree with you that the lineup, the, the forwards were misfiring, but from the other standpoint, why not give them this chance to get a few bag, a couple of goals and get their confidence back? I mean, if things had gone well, Son would have got a couple, Richardson would have got one. And if we get the ball to them, then suddenly their confidence is up. Well, that completely backfired. Um, and very disappointingly. So, so, uh, Joe. Yeah, no, John, you're right. Like it would, it would have been, and we've been trying to play them into form, haven't we? You know, it's Richarlison especially has, has got a few starts lately. And I, and I like Richarlison. I think he will eventually be a good player for Spurs. It might not be this season. It might take him a year to bed in. You know, he's had injuries and other issues. But I don't, I just think that's where we could have been a bit cleverer. We could have just played Kane in the middle done had a more of a goal threat and then rested Kane for the last 30 minutes if you score a couple of goals and then you can maybe get Richarlison or Son um, amongst the goals you know Son's been pretty good off the bench and um, it's just when he starts he's only scored I think one goal from a start has he in the, in the Premier League for sure so yeah I just like you you guys have already said it's the really frustrating thing is that we got Blackburn in the next round at home. Like, if we'd have got drawn against Man City away, you could have thought, all right, it wasn't meant to be anyway. But when we we had a complete cakewalk of a path to the semi-finals, and we've still made a mess of it, it's it's so frustrating. And, it, you know, it's happened, you know, I don't even really want to blame too much, like Conte or Stellini, because this has been going on for, this goes, Tommy said it, like Poch, 
days we used to go out the cup pathetically as well. Um, you know, under Mourinho, we went out to Norwich at home, who got relegated. And I'm even thinking going a bit little further back. Jumbo even lost in the semi-final to Portsmouth. They got relegated. They'd already been relegated. They had absolutely no interest in that. They would, and we still somehow lost in the, in that semi-final. It's just some something in like the DNA of Tottenham in recent years is just we just can't make it. I don't know. It's so uh, it's so exasperating as a supporter to see it. It's just it's almost like torture to see this every year. Well, and you kind of touched there, Joe, on my next question and thought. Like, so after this result, um, the fan base really um, was devastated, and and it really kind of renewed the calls for that. This is uh, this county thing is not working. Um, he needs to go. Of course, uh, that always comes with the Pochettino needs to come back. But it really got loud, and I know in in our case, like most people at the pub, just kind of, especially people who have been following the, the 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 game for a long time, just almost like threw their hands up in the air and walked out of the pub. The, no, very few people stuck around and hung out for a while. Me and Tommy were two of the last people still there, um, and it didn't take long for the bar to clear out. Where are you guys at after this FA Cup? And we'll certainly talk about the uh, the the Wolves match in a minute. But where are you guys at? Uh, are you ready to call it quits on Conte? Um, John, you look, uh, not first. not after not after the FA Cup game. He wasn't there. Um, they didn't play well. We don't know what influence he had over the team or whatever. So if you look at then. The FA Cup and the two previous games, no. Hey, good win against Chelsea, good win against West Ham. We went out of the cup. Yeah, no. Last three games, he's doing okay. When we move forward to the loss against Wolves, which I think we should probably move on to, then I'm starting to lose confidence again. It's, <laughs> I mean, this team is so frustrating that you, I really can't even put it into words. It. They, it drives me crazy. Just when you think they've turned the corner, eh, you get smacked in the teeth again. Yeah, and let's move the conversation into Wolves. We'll come. We'll swing back at the end of the half to the MVP, LVP for both games because I think we just need to talk about this as a general week that was too. Um, so this was another, um, I think, a stronger performance in the first half, but like another kind of shitty result um it, um no no um no teeth on our defense and it just kind of uh fell apart in the second half wasn't it it's um how did you guys feel about this wolves one as compared to um uh compared to the fa cup one tommy yeah i think we definitely showed up for this one definitely in the first half uh, first half, we actually looked strong. We were throwing for a goal, or for at least a goal. Uh, we hit the crossbar once in the first half. Uh, early in the second half, we hit the crossbar again. So we were attacking very well. I and I thought it was just a matter of time. Um, don't get me wrong. In the back of my head, I was concerned because Wolves—they are they're in 
been a relegation battle a little bit. So I felt that, you know, if, if they're going to grind it out, might as well be Spurs, of course. Um, I mean, if you look at the stats, and I'm looking at them right now, aside from shot or shots in corner, well, actually, almost everything. Well, shots, we dominated. Corners, we had more than double. Um, fouls, what, 18 to 11? But, like, everything else was relatively even aside from that. And what just angered me, though, is, you know, first half looks good. Second half, everything just fell apart, it felt like. We just lacked a desire, lacked whatever. So I don't know what Stellini said to the players. Of course, it clearly didn't work, but I'm like, but even when Wolves were threatening, or even with them, it's like, they make changes. Why did, again, same story, different week. I always yell about the subs. Why didn't we make any subs until, let's see, let me look at this thing right now. But like, in terms of the 80th minute or something, was it? It was like stupidly late. It was, it was like the 70. Eighth minute or something down. Uh, actually, yeah, seventy seventh minute for Lucas Moore for Dayan Kulishevsky. I actually think Lucas Moore was a good sub because he was he was he always goes for it. So he always creates fouls or creates chances. Yeah, he loses the ball a lot and fumbles through some stuff, but a lot of times he does or times he doesn't. It, it helps. And he did create some good free kicks, but again subbing these players in way too late we should have done something it's 60 some 60 to 65th minute and of course we don't and um i know i shouldn't be mad because it's a recurring theme but again it's like the parents like i'm not mad i'm just disappointed because it's a again obviously the definition of insanity is doing this trying to do the same thing over and over again expecting a different result and well, there was some changes to this with the the squad. No, uh, there but, was, but yeah. I mean, I mean, Coro, I think he looked pretty good um, compared to everybody else. But you know, like I thought, Forrester was really good. I mean, the goal—I don't even think it was his fault. So, but John, you had your finger up. So, what you got? Well, I, I agree with you in many ways, Tommy, which is somewhat unusual on this podcast. But yeah, I think you're right. Um, but what I will disagree with is that I think in the past, Conte has made the substitutions at the right time. I mean, one of the great things that I liked over him, over Mourinho, was that he, if he needed sub, he'd put them on the 60th minute when they're going to make uh, some kind of impact. You cannot expect a sub to come on for 10 minutes and make an impact. I'm sorry. It, you know, it, five minutes, you're going to get your legs in. Then you've got five minutes left. I mean, that, after time, you won't even get a touch on the ball. It's just too, um, it was just too late. Um, and it was a reaction to their goal, which I think surprised the management as much as it did us. Yeah, Joe. Um. Yeah, like I, I found this was, it's it's strange because in a lot of ways we played okay. I mean, you guys both said it then. Um, first half, pretty good. Um, where I slightly disagree on with this one um, from what Tommy was saying is, I, I I mean, I do agree. We We played pretty well. Like if you look at this game in isolation, I don't think it was a terrible performance. But in the broader context of the fact we just went out the cup, and other things that we've seen in recent weeks, it's 
a lot of the same issues. Tommy mentioned the subs and John's just, just mentioned the subs, but to me, it's the, like Lopetegui changed his system at half time because we were better than them in the first half. And then they just got a lot, they improved because he made changes. We didn't do anything, um, like John said, until we reacted at the end and just panicked and threw on a bunch of people in the last 10 minutes, hoping that something would happen. There's no strategy to it. And we're so inflexible with our system. You know, we must be such an easy team to play against because we always play the same formation. Um, we don't ever vary our kind of game plan from what I can tell. It's the same, you know, the same layout every single game. Um, and I think Lopetegui made smart changes and that's why they won the game, basically. And we just kind of stood still and waited for something to happen. And um, one last thing I'll say as well, because Tommy mentioned like the stats. This was something that really struck me watching this game. Uh, we just, and this is going through the whole season, we just don't create any clear-cut chances. I know we hit the bar, but one of those efforts was a free kick from Porro, which, by the way, after Porro hit the bar for a free kick, inexplicably Kane still took the next free kick, which he hasn't scored a free kick in about 10 years or more, but Porro almost scores and doesn't get another go. I don't really understand that one, but I, I digress slightly there. Um, and the, the other chance off the bar was some hitting the bar, which was a fairly good chance. Other than that, we didn't really have any chances, I don't think. Like, we had a lot of shots, but not chances. Like, shots from 25 yards, shots from acute angles, shots that are, you know, low percentage. We just, we don't ever seem to really create any, like, one-on-one -on -one situations or clear openings. It's it, it's it's very frustrating to me. Tommy, I'll, I'll go to you. Yeah, well, no, I want to echo your sentiments. Actually, one thing, the other thing about the subs, and I completely forgot about it, so I looked at the sub list. Emerson Royale, I know he's been doing a lot better lately, but he comes on eight two, second minute for Poro. But I'm like, a Poro, I think might have been our best player that match, one of our best best players that match. But I'm like, we're down a goal. I'm like, why the hell would you put put him on when he's better suited defensively? Made no sense. But Joe, to echo your sentiment in terms of the way we're playing, yeah, Harry Kane, he's been banging a lot of goals and he's second in the league next to Holland. If if Holland didn't exist or he didn't play in the league, he would look great, of course. And this is a recurring story or theme for the whole season. And unfortunately, it's safe to assume that the, it will continue until Leeds at the end of the season. We always bunch up. We never utilize the wings enough. Don't get me wrong. Perisic is not as good as he used to be. Emerson Royals looks slightly better. Poro, he's just coming on. He's looked promising. But, you know, so I've noticed this with Sun. <clears throat> Anytime he does have the ball, he tries to do too much instead of trying to pass it on to other players. And when he does try to shoot or whatever, or when he does have the ball, he doesn't look up. He always looks at the ground, see what's going on next um, for himself. Don't get me wrong. He is in a dry spell. I get that he wants to create his own moments and change his luck for himself. To a certain, But clearly what he's doing is not working. Um, Harry King can't do it himself. Even... Uh, Joe, uh, you and I are favorite Swedish player, Dayon. He's not been looking good as of late as well. So it's unfortunate it's a variety of things where the inflexibility of rotating squad, changing formations, you know, it's 
I mean, I'm going to Brentford at the end of the season, which I'm excited to go back to London, meet some friends, and do all this stuff. But I'm like, I feel like there's no end in sight with how I said before. There's no end in sight. It's just a part of me wouldn't, would have, be happier if the season was over. The silver lining, though, is last year we really didn't kickstart things until March either. So there is some hope, so to speak. But, I mean, how often does history really repeat themselves? Anthony? Yeah, well, I think both of you guys kind of put up uh, the point that I really wanted to go to, and it's about this tactical inflexibility that we continuously see. And, yeah, it's it's in uh, formation. It's in um, when you make the substitutions. And, it's, and uh, when are we going to see that we have a team made up of some fantastic attacking players. We've, we're stacked with a, a talented attacking players right now, and we're playing this uh, negative defensive counterattack uh, wingback uh, three defender uh, situation over and over and over again. And it might work once or twice. Usually it works when we're playing a better team because they'll actually come after us. But uh, but then then we play a team like Wolves and we're still using it. Like why don't we do something else? Let those guys get, uh, like off the leash and, and and do what they're best at. It's it's just so infuriating at this point to me. Uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. And the other thing that I think about this inflexibility, I think Joe touched on this, is that the other teams see us coming. Um. They know how we're going to line up. They know how we're going to try and get the ball. So do you not think that they practice against a team that's going to uh, look the same as we are and is going to be prepared to play against us? Whereas, shake it up a little bit and then let, let's um, give them something they're not expecting. But at the moment, um, they're seeing everything that we're throwing at them and it's predictable and they can defend against it if they're ready for it. And so continuing to stick with this thinking it's going to work, I think is foolish. I I, I really do. It it's uh, you know we've seen a, a lot of managers over the years, but the ones that really have been the best are the ones that adapted every game. And I'll call Pochettino in here for this. You could see if that wasn't working, he'd switch it around. Um, and we're not doing that. And therefore, I think we're predictable, and therefore, I think we're beatable, and therefore, I think that we are really not going to succeed if we continue to try and bash this square peg in a round hole. Looks like you've got something to say, Joe. I'm just, I'm enthusiastically nodding my head, John, because you've, you've just, you've hit the nail on the head completely. It's so predictable, and it, like, it worked well last season because the players. A, were performing to a higher level. Sun was scoring, obviously, a lot more goals than he has been this season. Kulisevsky was playing better than he is currently. But I think, to your point, John, teams have figured it out, right? Like, they, they've sort of seen, this is how Tottenham play every single game. And like Anthony's right, it sometimes works against good teams. City, Chelsea, they're never going to sit back against us. They're going to come and attack us. Sheffield United and Wolves are happy to sit back against us. They did that. They both of them sat back. We didn't score a goal. And then they both scored a goal in the last 10 minutes or thereabouts. Exactly the same, both games. Same 
100% the same. Carbon copy situation. So I, I agree that that's the biggest issue, uh, John. And I don't, I, Conte is clearly a great manager. You know, look at what he's done in his history. He did a great job last year, but he doesn't seem flexible with his approach. And I think that's hampering us. Tommy, I'll, I'll go to you. Uh, thanks. You, you um, <laughs> no, the, the thing that makes me wonder about Conte, because, you know, Cellini's taken cues from Conte, of course, because he's the assistant. But Conte, you know, when he was at Inter, Juventus, managing Italy, blah, blah, you know, 3-4-3 system. You know, he was the one that arguably brought it back. But the, the weird thing, though, is when he was at Chelsea, he did play some 3-4-3, but he did 4-2-3-1, like – I remember reading a set, this was like at least a year ago, he played more 4-2-3-1 than his usual 3-4-3. Uh, so I'm like, I don't know what seems like, did he refine it so much where it's like the way the we're built is the optimal position? But Joe, get a quick thing. No, I'm not I'm not meaning to interrupt you, but on that point, you, you're right. He, did, he changed it. If you remember that year, they lost to Arsenal. And he just changed the system and went to free at the back. So he just basically, after that game, and that's when they went on that crazy run where they didn't, they won like, do you remember where they won 10 in a row? And that's what basically won them the league over us. Was oh, okay. That. So he kind of changed it mid-season. Uh, rather than on a game-by-game -game thing, he kind of changed it. Okay. But I'm like, how John, you and Joe said as well, it's like, yeah, he's a very, he's technically a suit. We all know that. In terms of his managing prowess, we know that, of course. And it's just like, I mean, like with Mauricio Pochettino, first thing I'm asking him is, why do you start Lucas Moore in the Champions League final with um, Antonio Conte? He's like, what is with the inflexibility of, I mean, yeah, with uh, Everson Royale, things have turned around, which helped. Um, Poro, we got Poro. He's looked good thus far. But I'm like, doesn't work. I'm like, you got to have a plan B. It's. I mean, probably, we're probably never going to get an answer, but I mean, that's what I'm asking at least. So, Anthony? Well, well I'm going to circle back and um, we're going to do um, MVP for Sheffield United. Uh, do you guys have anybody that you want to highlight from that match? Um, and let's not spend too much time talking about them, but um, Joe? One player I thought did well was, surprisingly, was Eric Dyer. I thought he had a good game. Because he's, he can handle the, the rough and tumble of the the race. He he did a good job. I I can't think of anyone else who played well. Uh, Tommy, yeah, I actually don't disagree with Dyer because of the rough and tumble. I think with the slowing for that goal, like that guy passed three players. It was Dyer was one of them. Sanchez was the other, and there's somebody else I forget. But it was like I don't know what's going on. But um, I actually put my vote in for Pedro Poro. I think he played very well. Considering the circumstances, I did say that um, I think he was hampered a little bit with Sanchez, but I think he would have looked exponentially better if uh, he was Romero was right center back. But again, win some, you lose some, and we'll never find out in, against Sheffield United again. Yeah, yeah, I, I think a lot of us were thinking like, why, why wouldn't we put uh, a better center back in than Sanchez? Or at least somebody who can contribute more on that wing. Uh, John, do you have a MVP for this match? Well, it's difficult because many of them did not play very well. But I thought Oliver Skip had a good game. Um, I like him. As you know, he's a favorite. 
and uh, he can play in the rain, he can play in the sun, and uh, I, I thought he did a commendable job with a bunch of uh, Muppets around him. Yeah, and you know the funny thing is, you guys uh, have uh, picked the two guys that I I had that I'm like, well, if I'm going to pick anybody, um, I had Skip and Dyer. Um, so uh, uh, I guess flip the coin, whoever you want on that one. Uh, uh, how about LVP for this one, uh, Tommy? Yeah, uh, Sanchez. I mean, I know he hasn't played a lot, but he just looked out of place and. I said with him being side by side with Poro, it was not pretty, but I can't fault him for trying. But yeah, sorry, sorry, Sanchez. It just it definitely was not your day. Uh, Joe? Uh, I thought Hoybier had a poor game by his standards, um, but I agree with Tommy. Sanchez, sadly, Started his first career well and was good for the first couple of years, but he's the drop off has been spectacular in Sanchez and him still being at the club now is just baffling. Unfortunately, he's not he's just not good enough and uh, he was he was a bit of a liability uh, on the night. Yeah, and I I think we brought him in to be that uh, that guy that hangs back in the middle behind uh, Toby and Jan and um, and I think it works there. Um, because he's he's fast and he can chase down when they're pressing high forward, but like in this type of system, he just doesn't have any use at all, um, and it's unfortunate. But uh, um, he's mine as well, so I'll just jump in there. But John, well, you see, I had no expectation of Davidson Sanchez doing anything, and he didn't do anything, so that really doesn't make him my LVP. That makes him like a predicted person. I thought Richarlson was really, really poor. And I know a number of people have said that they like him out there and everything else. To me, he looks a lot like a one-trick pony. He picks the ball up. He does try and go past people, but he only does the same move on everybody. Everybody's figured it out. He loses the ball, then we move on. And he did that far too much and lost possession far too often and didn't create chances. So he's my, I'm going to go with him. Yeah, I don't think he had a very good one. That's a good shout. Uh, so let's let's talk Wolves. Uh, uh, who's got an MVP for Wolves? Uh, let's, uh, let's swing back to Tommy. Yeah, I alluded to it earlier, but I actually said Fraser Forrester. I thought he made some... Uh, very good saves. He, he had the presence in the goal mouth. Um, and how I said, the goal that Triory scored, I would say it's not his fault. So I'm going to hand it to him. Yeah, that, that was kind of a situation of everybody else collapsing around, and it's tough to blame Forrester for that. Uh, uh, Joe, what do you have? Who do you have? Um, MVP for Wolves. This is tough, isn't it? Uh, I thought probably well. I, I think he did well in both games. He looks a good player. Uh, that's one of the very, let's take it as a minor positive from this terrible week, is that Poro looked pretty good. And I'll say Poro, MVP. Yeah, so um, once again, if you look at expectations and performances, which is the way I look at this, I agree with Joe. I thought uh, we hadn't really seen Poro play. Uh, I thought in under the circumstances, he came in and put a good shift in. Um, 
again amongst a bunch of guys that really don't deserve uh, mention but having said that um, the performance was much better against Wolves um, and we did make chances we didn't make enough chances but I was most excited about Poro's performance and uh, how we can look for him in the future yeah I I, I think you guys are right there at Poro's mine as well um, how about LVP uh, let's go back to Tommy Yeah, there could have been a few people uh, that could have been deserving, but I'm I'm giving it to Perisic. I I know he's got a what two year contract, but I wouldn't mind if we just cut our losses at the end of the season. Um, I know he's he's good for a slower paced team, but what, if you if you're using utilizing wing backs, it's like he's just slowing everything down and. It is very evident, unfortunately. Um, I have nothing against him, but it's you know I, I think it was uh, what's his name uh, Antonio Conte. He's like, yeah, I don't. He's not as good as he was, but I'm like, I I think the talent is still there. It's just he he's he's what 34, first time in the Premier League hasn't adjusted to the pace and the physicality. I think he has, but in terms of the pace, it's just not there and his speed and, and the, his general speed as well. So. Sorry. Sorry, Ivan. You know, and you would think that his role would be more about training Sessegnon, but that Sessegnon hasn't really seemed like he's made those improvements uh, working with him. Um, and now we just don't really have the options other than Ben Davis, who has to cover two positions right now, uh, because Lang Lei hasn't been that good. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he's had some poor performances, too, which uh, he hasn't come up in any of our LVP yet. But let's go to Joe. Yeah, Anthony, you make a great point there. I, I really do think that was the plan, that Perisic, 34 years old, like Tommy said, can't obviously play twice a week at that age in a fast, you know, high-paced league like the Premier League. So maybe the idea was always to give him a rotate him as and when. But to your point, Sessegnon has been either bang average or injured, which he tends to be a lot of the time, including at the moment when he's he's injured. And, you know, you can't blame him for that, I guess. But he he's just seems like he's always injured. And that left back position, it's crazy. Ben Davis is our best left back at the moment. I mean, it's like 2015 all over again. You know, can you believe if you'd have said that time, you know, in in eight years' time, you're still going to have the same left back, Ben Davis. You wouldn't have believed it, but he's he's the best option at the moment, uh, unfortunately. So I I agree with what you guys said there, and Perisic, uh, I agree, LVP. Yeah, Perisic was mine. Um, well, I think this is a good place to go to half. Um, in the second half, we are, have two matches to preview, both the uh, Champions League match against AC Milan um, and then the weekend league match against Nottingham Forest. But first, we are going to John's Lone Player Update. John's Lone Update. And good evening, everybody. This is John with his Lone Update. It's been a little longer than a month since the last one. And uh, some things have changed and some things haven't. So I'm going to bring you up to date with all 11 players that we have on loan, both in England and Europe at the moment. Um, the first I'm going to talk about is Destiny Udoji, 
who we bought from Udinese and then lo loaned back to them for the season. He's starting every game at Serie A, which I think is wonderful. He's got three goals and 19 assists. He's a very attacking midfielder. Um, he's getting very good reviews. I understand during a break he came over and was at uh, Tottenham Stadium to, to see everything that he's going to get in the future. He seems like a very um, level-headed, good, uh, good prospect. And I'm, I think he'll challenge next year for the for the uh for the first team there um if we move on to one of uh, the older guys harry winks harry suffered a long spell off injured when he first went to sampadoria and uh, he wasn't able to play for a long time and during that time sampadoria uh, fell down the league and now are in really bad shape as far as uh, relegation is concerned. But he has started the last five games and the fans love him. He's got a, uh, he's got a nickname, the washing machine, because I guess he cleans through everybody. Um, but in reading uh, comments that he's made, he feels that his time at Spurs is over. Um, he's got a job now to try and help Sampdoria not going down. I'm not sure he's going to be able to succeed there. Um, if he does, if they do go down, I can see him moving on. He's certainly a better player than being in the second division in uh, in Italy there. And uh, but he does feel that uh, he will no longer be coming back at uh, to Spurs. So Spence, we got from Nottingham Forest. Um, he got very limited time with us. He was then sent on loan to Wren, where he's getting a lot of playing time. Um, he's playing, he's starting most games, he's doing well. He was involved in a league win with them and also the game where they were eliminated from the Europa Cup. But he's getting good reviews and I think he's getting some good time and getting uh, what we need from him so we can see what kind of a player he is. Now he's playing next to Joe Roden, who is a centre-back who we sent to Wren earlier than Spence. Roden seems to have lost his way. Um, initially, when he went at the beginning of the season, he was a starter for Wren. He was doing very well. He was getting good reviews. Um, he got a red card, missed a couple of games, and lost his position. So he's been a sub for the last few games and has not really had much playing time. I don't think he's showing enough for us to bring him back to be part of Tottenham. I think he's one that's going to move on. Now we've had a good look at him. Um, Brian Gill in Sevilla. And, you know, I've got to just say as an aside here, when we were talking about players that shouldn't be playing in Sheffield United in the rain, then he would have been top of my list. Um, but he's, get, he's getting mixed reviews. He's started um, very well then he was getting he got subbed at half time he's been in and out of the lineup um, he's not really taking the uh, the bull by the horns and making a name for himself there in Sevilla so I think the, there's a question about his future um, whether it's back with us I, I honestly don't know but I think that's out there that there we look about Tangay and Dombele. My goodness, how much did we pay for him? 
He's playing at Napoli. Well, the good news is Napoli are going to win the league and they're going to go on to Champions League football and they're doing very well. The bad news is they haven't really used him much to do that. Um, he comes on as a sub uh, every now and again. He's not getting starting time. Um, I have seen uh, conjecture that his contract at Napoli will be um, if they make the the Champions League, then it becomes uh, a, a, a full-time move. But I'm not sure whether there's a playing time uh, aspect to that because he's not really contributing much to Napoli. He's not showing any of the skill that he had before. He's coming on as a sub, and uh, I don't think he's a player that we're going to have back. Um, one of the saddest uh, stories for this loan season is uh, Serge Reglion. He went to Atletico Madrid. He got injured very, very early in the season and struggled for a long time to get his starting spot back. He got a starting spot, had a couple of starts, got a red card, um, and he hasn't featured since. Um, I have read a report that he has got another injury and could be out for another three weeks. So he's having a torrid time of it. I know he's a left wing back, but I don't think that he will be one that we'll be looking to uh, to bring back, quite honestly. Uh, Giovanni Lo Celso is probably the saddest of all of the uh, loanees. He hasn't played since October. He missed out on the World Cup and he's still not fit to start. And um, it's really sad because he's a talent. I'm not sure he's a talent for Tottenham, but he is a talent. And he's had a torrid time with uh, with injuries that have not done him any favours. So now we're going to move to the three players who are on loan within the Football League in England. I think these are the ones that are younger that are being put out on um, on loan so that they can get a handle on the British system, playing in the rain in Sheffield, for instance. So the most recent is Harvey White, who was gone to Derby, Derby County. I have a good friend here in Chicago who's a Derby fan, and he watches all the games on television. I asked him what he thought, and, and he said that uh, he has got an obvious talent and that he has a real talent for finding uh, a forward pass, doing the right thing, but he is finding it difficult to adapt to League One, which is fair enough. Uh, playing in League One and League Two and the Championship, as we'll see for others in, the, in just a minute, is a difficult thing to do. The styles in League One are not the same as the styles on the Premiership, so if he's been brought up in an environment that he's playing as if he's playing in the Premiership, it's a big adjustment to play in League One. But uh, Derby are doing well. I think there's every chance that they will get in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make automatic promotion. But he's playing on a team that's doing well. He's getting good minutes and he seems to be impressing. And let's not forget, he's very, very young. So then we move on to Troy Parrott at Preston in the championship. Now, Preston North End are right now a very poor championship team. They're middle of the table. They don't appear to have much 
fear of relegation. They don't have much fear of, uh, of being promoted. He starts or he's subbed, but the big thing is he's, he's not scoring goals. I mean, and that's what he's there for. He, Troy Parrott, is a striker and put on loan. You want to see a striker to score goals, and he's not doing it. Uh, you know, I wish the guy all the best, but he seems to be struggling. And, uh, you know, if he's struggling in the championship, how's he going to do in the premiership? And lastly, we have uh, my favourite, Dane Scarlett, who is at Portsmouth. He did really well early on. And then Portsmouth's uh, changed, uh, their fortunes changed. They started losing games. He was left on the bench. They fired their manager. Um, they brought in a new guy and they're now playing much better. But having said that, he's not getting the starts that he did with the old manager. He did. He came on as a sub in the 77th minute in a in a 1-0 win over Burton Albion and scored the winning goal, for which everybody was extremely pleased. So... Um, Portsmouth have won three in a row now. He seems to be making good appearances, seems to be doing well, seems to have an uh, enormous amount of talent that is um, making its way into scoring goals, which is what we're going to look for. So I, I got a feeling he's going to be one on the list to keep. Um, and I wish him well with Portsmouth. It's going to be a stretch for them to make the playoffs now because of their bad, uh, bad form. But if they do, it will be really nice to see Scarlett getting a run out in the playoffs. So that's all 11 players that we have on loan. That's what they're up to. And I'm John. This is my loan update. And thanks for listening. Thanks so much, John. Very good information there. Um, I want to move the conversation into uh, the, the midweek match against uh, AC Milan. So this is a return to Champions League play. Um we did uh, drop the first away leg, uh, 1-0, so we are uh, playing this match at, at a deficit. Um, when we uh, played them last, they were on a cold spell where they had lost four consecutive games, then won the one just prior to um, playing us. Um, so they were kind of on a cold spell, and now it's kind of the exact opposite. They've... Uh, They've uh, won their last four games and just lost their most recent match this Saturday to Fiorentina. Um, um, how are you guys feeling on this uh, this fixture? We, we kind of got to see what they have to offer before. Um, uh, it didn't work out for us. We couldn't figure out a way to score a goal. Uh, are things going to be different at home um, uh, midweek after uh, playing two uh, fixtures in one week the week prior uh go ahead john well as you all know i'm the internal optimist but i think there's some things going on in this game that we can take positive view from if the players don't know what the fa cup is and aren't bothered about the fa cup that's one thing they all know what the champions league is no matter where they're from this is the biggest competition in europe this is the one they want to play in this is the competition where they want to shine in um, we should have no problem at all with players showing up for this game. You go back to the last two home games. We haven't conceded a goal. We've scored four. Um, I think we've got every 
uh, we should have great deal of optimism about taking on this team, um, getting a goal back and going on to win. Um, but there you go. On the other hand, we could lose 4-0. Who the hell knows? <laughs> oh, um, uh, Joe? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, I, I thought, were you done, John? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, well, no, for now. You're going to hear more about me later, but uh, for now, I'm, I'm <laughs> done. But, go, uh, go ahead, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're, you're spot on, John. Like, did, you cannot... Um, predicting Spurs this season is... It's going to be the most... We've got to be the most... Well, it's ironic, actually, isn't it? Because we're saying that we're very predictable in terms of how we line up and our system and everything, but the results are unbelievably unpredictable. Like... You, like you said, John, I would not be surprised if we lost this game 4-0, but I wouldn't be surprised if we won 4-0 either because, you know, we 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 have the players to do that and we've shown that this season by beating City, you know, getting a good result against Chelsea the other week, but then you go and see these two performances more recently. We're very unpredictable. Um, AC Milan, so I think the 1-0 defeat wasn't, too bad a result, right? Like, there's no away goals anymore in, in the the Champions League, so it's not like you you always need that away goal. It doesn't really doesn't one you know doesn't make a difference if you lose one nil or two one. Now, um, what I would say though is, I I don't see us keeping a clean sheet in this game. Um, they've got some dangerous players. You know, Juru loves to score against us. The, the guy Leao, who's their probably their best attacker. He got a rest on Saturday because I think he was suspended or Sunday, whenever it was, they lost to Fiorentina. He didn't play in that game, so he's going to be fresh. And and if they do score, that means to win, we either have to score twice, which considering our recent chance creation is pretty limited, or we have to score three. And even if we do score twice, we need to, he'll go to penalties. And Fraser Foster, would he be good enough to, keepers out keep them out on penalties their goalkeeper's pretty good and he's back now he's been out for a couple of months uh magnan i think his name is he's a good goalkeeper he's he's back in their team now um so i honestly don't know i would not have a clue this game could be any score and i wouldn't be surprised it's it's just a you would hope based on what john said after the disappointment in the league result we had and going out the cup that they've got to be motivated for this one there's no excuses everyone knows this is our last thing that we've got a chance of winning so let's go for it well and you have to think that since we have to score maybe that forces us into more of an attacking style of play earlier on and maybe we we can put on that that better performance i mean that's kind of what i'm holding on to for hope because i do kind of feel like if this is a bad loss um uh, I, I don't want to be on Twitter the next day for sure. Um, the, the fan base is certainly going to go off the ledge at that point. Um, uh, Tommy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm John. I know how you say you're the eternal optimist. I got mixed feelings about this because I said before many podcasts this season, um, what Spurs squad will show up. Uh, I think that we have to go for we have to go on the offense, offensive in the first half. Um, Joe, I forgot about Mike uh, Magnon. Um, he's he's actually highly touted. I feel like he's 
essentially Hugo's number. Well, he was Hugo's number two. He might be actually the de facto starter now uh, for France. I think he's actually pretty good. Um, you know, the what's his name? Who's the guy? Uh, Brahim Diaz. I know he. I feel like he ran over us last in the first leg. Theo Hernandez, I think he's very good. I think he did, had a great World Cup considering the circumstances. So, um, fortunately, it's AC Mod is beatable. They're not doing great this season. They're fifth place, uh, Syria. But and I feel like Spurs, just the the team that we are and the way we play, it does benefit us playing a continental side. Of course, it's shamelessly, but. Um, we're playing a uh, Serie A team, so they play at a slower pace. Um, we can build up a little bit easier. Uh, I think we can counter easier if we actually, if the team actually decides to do it. Um, we'll see, I guess. It's just, I mean, we're not doing predictions yet, but I'm just very conflicted right now if we're going to get win-loss or draw. Um, the only benefit right now I can see is... Uh, I've heard a player in the past 20 years, Laton is not in the Champions League squad. So at least he won't break my heart uh, on Wednesday. So I'll take that. Yeah, well, um, I, I think maybe it is a good time to go oh. to Jin. So, so Let me uh, go last then. Okay, uh, let's, uh, let's do Joe first. Oh, yeah, this is tough. Um, uh, I can see it going to penalties, and John and I, as English Englishmen, have got a an aversion to the the dreaded penalty shootout. I I can see us edging it on the night by the odd goal, maybe one nil, maybe two one. Uh, let's say Spurs win two one, um, and it goes to penalties, and then let's just because it we've had such a terrible week, and even John's great information on his loan update even that was all bad news of players been injured and players not playing well there's we've got to have some good news come on so let's let's say that we we win on penalties which i'm i'm saying that with a distinct lack of conviction but let's let's just go with it spurs to win 2-1 then win on penalties well we don't have uh, kane and uh, kulisevsky well, well, Joe, we don't have any Spanish players to pull off the bench last minute and sub in to take those penalties like we did uh, last time we were in this situation. Uh, but yeah, but the, okay, I, I could see it happening. Certainly uh, the penalty part. I don't know about winning the penalties, but certainly the penalty part. Uh, John, what's your prediction? Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, if this looks like it's going to penalties... I would like someone in the Atlantic to call an ambulance and have it parked outside the bar because I'm not <laughs> sure my heart is going to be able to cope with penalties and uh, they'll wheel me out on a stretcher. So I'm really hoping it doesn't go to penalties because I do not want to be wheeled out on a stretcher. Um, I think the way that we played defensively in the last two home games has been very encouraging. Um, I would like to see us uh, win 2-0. I think Kane is uh, is the one that's going to be our salvation, and I'm going to say two goals by Kane. Tommy? All right. Um, I'll be a slight optimist, um, but I think it's going to be a grind-out match. I just, like I said, I think, I'm not going to say we're in control, but maybe we get a lucky goal here or there. 
Um, but I want to say we win one nil win on PKs. I don't really have high hopes for that just because we're Spurs and as uh, Joe and John are, they're English. So track record is not good, but I mean, at least for Kane, he got his penalty loss out of the way in December for good or bad, but I don't know. I like to be vigilant, of course, but I mean, Conte's back now, so maybe they'll get the foot up their asses that they sorely need. Uh, I'm going to be actually pretty optimistic about this. I do think that um, we play better when we're down a goal already because we kick on, and we're starting this game down a goal, uh, which puts us in the position where we uh, we, we already are chasing uh, the, in the competition, and maybe that will uh, put us in a good position to play out this match. Um, I'm going to say... I don't think we keep them off the board just because our defense is not good enough. Uh, but I'll say 3-1. Um, we win. A- advance. We don't have to go to penalties or anything. Um, I'm going to say that we get a goal from uh, Kane. Um, I think we get uh, a goal from um, Hoybier. And I think uh, we finally get a uh, another goal from uh, Richarlson because the last one we saw was Champions League from him. Uh, so yeah, th- th- those are my three goal scorers there. Um, so let's move the conversation onto the weekend. So uh, we'll get past the the Champions League match. Uh, hopefully, we're feeling in, in good cheer again going into the the weekend. But it is fixture congestion, which has given us problems, and obviously we have to think about uh, are we rotating the for the Champions League, ro- rotating for this Forest match, or both. Um, but currently, Forest is uh, sitting in 14th place in the league uh, with 26 points. That's uh, six wins, eight draws, 11 losses. They are in that area where there's a lot of teams in kind of a relegation dogfight right now. It's it's kind of an interesting uh, table down at the end of the table. So they do have to think about that, but they're a little bit above the fray right now. Um, they did uh, draw Everton at home this uh, this past Sunday. Um, right now, their top goal scorer is uh, Brennan uh, Johnson with seven. Um, uh, Morgan Gibbs White is their top assist man or playmaker at this point, and uh, their top rated player is a guy called uh, Serge Aurier with uh, seven point one five. Which we have seen him at the top of our rating system in the past, strangely enough, uh, um, uh, when we checked it. Um, we did um, obviously uh, uh, lose to them uh, in November. Um, how are you guys feeling about facing them now? That was a 2-0 loss in the League Cup um, after a 2-0 victory earlier in the league. Uh, who wants to take it first, John? Yeah, Nottingham Forest are almost as schizophrenic as we are. And I've watched them a few times lately. And quite honestly, Serge Aurier is doing an extremely good job for them. Um, much better than uh, I would have anticipated. He seems to be getting support from the club and he's playing very, very well. Um, but the thing we've got to look at here is one, we're playing at home. 
And two, there's only one team in the Premiership who have conceded more goals than Nottingham Forest, and that's Bournemouth. So Nottingham Forest have a goal difference of minus 24. If we can't take advantage of the fact that we're at home, the fact that Nottingham Forest concede more goals than, you know, they're conceding goals like a sieve, then let's all give up and go home. And and this is, no matter how schizophrenic Spurs are, this is a game that we should win easily, we should win with confidence, and that we should really put away. Um, And I sincerely hope that is going to happen. (laughs) How about you, Joe? Are you confident like me? Yeah, I fancy us to to beat Forest. Like you said, John, they they concede so many goals. Um, and with us being at home, um, we owe them. Anthony mentioned, and that's another pathetic cup exit that we had at Forest. I was at the at the bar for that one, and it was horrendous uh, performance on that on that night. Um, like their striker, um, Johnson, Brendan Johnson. He's he's pretty decent actually. I've seen him with some lovely finishes. He's actually the kind of player that if they do go down, it wouldn't be a bad bet for us to, you know, bring in like a young striker like that, maybe as backup to get some, you know, get some more young players in the squad. He, he looks a decent player. Um, I, I do think we'll win this game um, with, without too many problems. This is one of the easier games we've got left. So let, let's certainly hope so. So I, I'm feeling pretty good, John, as well. Tommy? Yeah, uh, Joe and John, uh, you both provide very solid arguments. Um, I did look at the table, negative 24 in the goal differential, which is great. I can't say as a Spurs fan this season, we've really ever taken advantage of a squad's efficiencies like that. Um, Got to hand to Steve Cooper, though. They, he did start off very slow because of the turnover the squad. They bought, what, 10-plus players um, by the transfer, their summer transfer window ended. Um, they got a little, you know, I mean, they're not out of the woods entirely, but they're in a pretty decent position thus far. So, I mean, hats off to them. But my biggest issue is if they're letting in 44 goals this season, we should be able to run right through them. I, I don't know. Joe, you're probably the, on the podcast, you're probably the biggest tactician out of all of us. I mean, how do Nottingham Forest even play? Because, like, if if they park the bus, we're done, essentially, or it's going to be very ugly. We might grind out a 1-0 win um, because we're not good at unlocking uh, a team that parks the bus. But if they play open, game on. And hopefully we do take advantage of that as, you know, we're, we're primed for – or the way we play and the way we're set up, you know, we're very good for counterattack, but also the team – plays open we do very well also so like you know that's i think that's probably why we do well against like man city as an example so i i don't know it's just again if they don't if the team doesn't bunch up and spread out a little bit um i think we should be pretty good or in at least a very good position to win so we'll see i think they probably will play they're not a ridiculously defensive team they're actually quite open really but i think when teams like forest come to tottenham or one of the bigger teams they always just sit back don't they um 
they've been getting hammered in a lot of these away games. Uh, they've done okay. I mean, they're not they're out of the relegation zone overall, but in these big away games, they tend to get hammered. I think Arsenal put five past them. Even West Ham put four past them the other week. So if West Ham are putting four past you, there's <laughs> there's some issues there. So yeah, I think they're a they're a half decent team at their place, but I think on the road they're not they're not so strong. I think they'll probably try and you know play defensively, but hopefully we've we've got too much quality for them. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm hoping that's the case. Well, give us your prediction while you're at it, Joe. Yeah, sure. I, I think we'll win two nil. Um, Kane, obviously, to get one of them, and let's let's we're all hoping Son start scoring goals. Let's give Son a goal to to kickstart him again. <laughs> let's let's hope he can have a strong end to the season to make up for uh, the lack of goals so far. So Kane and Son, uh, two okay. sounds good. Uh, uh, John, um, I'm going to go with three nil. I I really feel that this is a game where we can uh, really get some goals put by. I think Kane's going to get a couple. And um, I'm going to go with Skip getting the second goal of the season. Like it. Uh, Tommy? All right. um, I'm going to try to be vigilant about this. Uh, And then, I don't know. You know what? I'll just go with a 3-1 win. Um, Hopefully this how John, you said, or Joe said, kickstart everything. But let's get some goal ins. Let's win by more than one goal. So I'll say Kane with two. And then I'll go with Hoyberg for the other goal. Um, I hate to do this, but uh, yeah, I, I just, we, we don't, this season, we just never seem to kick on. And, um, especially since I'm um, picking us to advance in the Champions League, I just see if we accomplish that, I don't see us um, getting past the team on the weekend on short rest um, and looking good, even if it is Forrest who found a way to do it to us in the uh, League Cup. Uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to say we lose 1-0. No goal scorers. Um I, I certainly hope I'm wrong. I just got a bad feeling about this one. Um, I, Anthony, I, you're always so optimistic, man. I don't think I've ever heard you. You very rarely predict us to lose. I'm, I'm taken aback. Not no. that I think it's necessarily flawed logic on your part, I must say. But, yeah. If yeah. even you're starting to get pessimistic, then I think we're, uh, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I'm just, yeah. And sometimes I'm picking up for everybody else's pessimism going into a match, and I'll say, like, okay, I'm the last to go. Somebody's got to be optimistic here. Um, but, no, I, I just got the pessimism this time with all your guys' optimism there. I, I can be the pessimist this time. Um, let's do uh, final thoughts on the week. And where I'm at is, um, depending upon how this week goes um it really is going to reflect on how uh we view the the rest of the season um like if if we lose this game to forest if we get if we get bounced out of the champions league um i think uh people are essentially just going to write off the the season at that point the the, the screams for potch to come back are going to get louder and louder and yeah, and Conte's just going to fade into the night, whether he lasts the rest of the season and then uh, leaves at the end of his contract or 
Um, or if they decide to sack him, which uh, I don't know if that would happen. How are you guys? Do you guys see this as a moment of change for us, or are we are, are we finally at the point where maybe we will start to uh, kick on, uh, John? I think this is a pivotal week for Tottenham. I think it's a pivotal week for Conte. If we go out of the Champions League and we lose to Nottingham Forest at home, that will be the end of Conte. If we win in the Champions League and go through and we beat Nottingham Forest, then I think Conte will stave off um, his, uh, his position. But despite all of that and despite what we do this year, I think that Conte is uh, a one-year wonder. I don't think we're going to see him back. But it'll be. Uh, but this week is pivotal to the future of Tottenham Hotspur. We go on in the Champions League, and we start to win in the in the in the Premiership. Then we're going to have a good year. We lose both games this week. Ah, forget it. We're out of it. Joe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If we lose both, then there's just no way that he this this can go on. And I do think we're at that crossroads now. I mean. John's right when he says it's a it's a huge week, a pivotal week, and I think we've made it a pivotal week because we're out the FA Cup. If we were still in the FA Cup, even if we went out the Champions League, we could at least say, well, at least we've still got a, a chance of something. But because we picked that week, you know, we've talked about it already. That weekend team, we've we've almost created this situation our, ourselves. Um, I mean, it's probably a bigger conversation, isn't it, about Conte's future? I, I don't disagree with what with what John said then. But what I would say is there's been some crazy things go on. Look, just like a week in football. Look at Man United. They win a cup final one week. The next week, they lose 7-0 to their biggest rivals. I mean, it's unbelievable. West Ham win 4-0 one week, lose 4-0 the next week. This football changes so quickly and... Um, it seems bad for us at the moment, but maybe uh, maybe it'll be a much more upbeat uh, situation next week, you know, and uh, <clears throat> maybe we'll smash the team on 5-0. Who, who knows? Certainly hope so. Um, Tommy, anything for, to add? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, this is a pivotal week, but I mean, I still think Conte's on his way out, and I don't even think it's because of his, of, the, of how we've been playing. Um you know, he's got health issues. You know, his family's out and still in uh, Italy. Lost, what, two close friends this season. So that I think he's just taking a toll. Yeah, next two seasons are uh, mutual options. I just don't think it's going to happen um, with that. So hopefully a Conte gives us an answer, gives the club an answer, kickstart the manager search. Don't want Pochettino back. Um, but that's a whole other story, I guess. But the other thing, though, is this week, yeah, I both I predicted both wins. But say we win both, we win one, we lose one. I don't see any evidence where we're going to run the table like we did last season. Don't be wrong. I was skeptical last time or last year. So it could happen. It's just, you know, how they say what Spurs to dare us to do. I dare them to prove me wrong. And let's I mean, bring it on. Let's let's see what they can do. Hopefully, they got uh, they dig deep and can reap the rewards from it. And hopefully, we all can too. 
Well, th- uh, w- with Tommy's last word there, I think that about wraps it up. So, so, uh, so thank you so much to Tommy for editing today, uh, Charlie for the music, Sam for social media, Kimberly for the logo, as, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. Uh, come on out and watch some matches uh, with us there. Uh, find us on our many platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on those uh, platforms. Um, check us out on both Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.